Section 336 is always brought to you by BirdlandSports.com, the coolest site for the best fan-made shirts. It's my site. I made BirdlandSports.com because I had cool t-shirt ideas through doing Section 336. So go support me over at BirdlandSports.com, and every time you purchase a shirt over there, it helps out Section 336. Plus, they're cool shirts, and that's my favorite part, is they're fun shirts. So... Check it out. Use the code 336 to save 10%. BirdlandSports.com. Behind home plate, we bringing it to them all day. All day. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always. Always. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. Tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up. Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Now, here come the boys from Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearing centering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by a guy who watched the Super Bowl only for the halftime show, the button lover, Josh Soroka. Uh, not quite. That was... Uh... I, I don't know. I don't know that halftime show. There was not much to it. Not much what moving was, around. I think that could have been a one camera shot. What is the greatest halftime performance of all time, and why is it Rihanna? No, I think a lot of people say it was Bruno Mars. I think gets a lot of credit. I thought I. I think the problem is there was so much going on in the Super Bowl halftime show last year that uh, that. They tried, they to keep it simple. One, one person this year, they really scaled back and kept it simple. And I think a lot of people were expecting a bunch of surprise guests because last year had like a dozen guys jumping in. Okay. So. Uh, my favorite was Beyonce because uh, we got to see it live. Um, but yeah, I am always, I, I don't know why I'm always floored by this, but I'm always floored about how people have such strong reactions to the halftime show. Like go on social right. media after the halftime show, yeah, and it's not, it's not, it's not anything except for it was the most, it, that was the most amazing show I've ever seen, or that was the right. most despicable, disgusting display I've ever seen. It's always one extreme or the other. It's just, yeah, we think we're divided by I politics, saw, but really we're divided by halftime shows here in America. Right. I saw outrage that it was lip sync, and I'm like, do you really not understand that? Every Super Bowl halftime show has always been lip sync. It's how you have to do it in that type of situation. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, lip syncing, if that's, yeah. So what you're really critical of is maybe she didn't do a great job with the lip syncing. I don't know. But it is. It's, you're right. It's, we go away from, even yesterday, we get take a good game that goes down to the wire. Great game. And the conversation the next day is the halftime show and the commercials. Yeah. I, I was a little tuned out. I had a lot going on at my house. Emily was gone, so I was like putting kids to bed, and I was making TikTok videos, and right. I really wasn't paying attention. I don't, I don't think yeah. I sat through like more you than one commercial. Um, no, you did, usually, you did, you I, I sat there with my pen and radium, but not this year. Yeah, I made my three to six daily for yesterday, or for today, I guess. Whatever. Right. So yeah, I I don't know. I wasn't. I couldn't get into the commercial. I couldn't get into the the game. Um, I mean, the game was great, but it's hard too because I have no rooting interest in the in the no. Chiefs versus the Eagles. I have no strong you feelings about either of those teams, so it's just no. hard to get into it. 
it made me wish that the Ravens ran their offense like the Eagles. And it makes me think, well, what do the Eagles oh, I was just thinking, like the, the Chiefs like, don't have? Bring me that offense coordinator from the Chiefs. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I'll take either one. Have you seen yeah. the number of Eagles players that are free agents after this year? Oh, uh, no. Is there a bunch? Like that team's going to be decimated. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a bunch. But I, I would also point out the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without any very without any great receivers, just a great tight tight end. So and a great yeah. quarterback. Yeah. So it can be done. <laughs> yeah, saying. I don't know. Uh, so you're saying Lamar's a great quarterback? Is that where you're going? With? Uh, MVP? Yeah, MVP Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think he's a great okay. quarterback. I don't think that's hyperbole. Right. Okay. You know what? You know what else Mahomes did? If we're, if we're yeah. comparing Mahomes to Lamar, yeah. you know what the big takeaway is: you are That's allowed to play thing. football games at, when you're not 100. percent You mm. can play and still be banged up and make your team better. Uh, Josh, so you you saying every time someone's injured, it's the same injury? So a knee injury that's swollen is the same as someone rolling their ankle a little bit. Though, so, Josh, Mahomes what was has been yeah. hurt for weeks and played in every game? Weeks of being hurt, still found a way and, to play. And Tua just had a concussion and didn't play just because he had a few concussions. I know, I hear you, Josh. No, concussion's different. Concussion's different. Yeah. Oh, every injury I, is different. All right, give me an offensive coordinator. Then, we'll, then we can start talking to Lamar again. Judge, what was wrong with that field too? Why was all the players slipping and falling, and getting hurt in that field too, for the Super uh, Bowl? That was outrageous. The halftime show apparently tore up that field, which I don't yeah, understand because on TV it looked like every stage was just floating and hanging from the sky. Yeah. I, I felt like even before the halftime show was, I don't, was not good. I don't know. Yeah, why, yeah, do the halftime show do, why do we do flyovers for football games that are inside of domes? Well, I think they're – I think, Josh, I've never heard you complain about a flyover before. Until all of a sudden, when we have the first all-female flyover, you have some complaints. Interesting. Well, was it was it an all-female flyover? <laughs> it was. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, you should do your research oh. before you come on here and talk about it. Super Bowl was uh, it was fine. It was a great game. It was, it was an entertaining, high-scoring game. Fun game. Big yeah. offense. It really looked like it was going to be really high-scoring at the beginning when there was like no defense for those first two drives. Yeah. yeah, fun game. Can't complain. Yeah, I mean the end is a little weird when you have a guy slide the second slide the the two yard line. Right. When you play that strategy game, like I I'm used to right in these playoff games, back and forth, back and forth. Now yeah, let me just slide the two and take two knees. That's when kick, kick that's when you goal. feel but, that's when you feel for the gambler who got yeah. screwed because of that slide. Right. Who needed another touchdown? Right. And you have I, those, I mean, that's those touchdown scores too. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So it's, that's why I'm happy I'm out of the gambling business. Do. I yeah. didn't gamble at all on the on Super Bowl. Now I did a five dollar Fandle. Now see Fandle's legal to gamble in Georgia? No, you you pick the it's like fantasy football. You pick the players to oh, score oh, the okay. points. I, I guess right. that's legal, but you can't bet on games. I don't know how it all works. I don't know. I don't know. I know. Mar- I know. Maryland has it. We've been doing it. We all football playoffs. We did the DraftKings advertisements and didn't tell anyone that we weren't in Maryland. What are the yeah. Orioles' odds this year? Have, have they been released? The Orioles' what series odds? 
am, am I going to – I mean, is it even money probably at this point? Probably this money. Probably at this point for the Orioles World Series, you bet 100 bucks, you get $10 back just because they're such huge favorites to win the World Series. <laughs> I mean, they're favorites. Minus 900. I don't know about the rest of the world. I don't think so, – I don't know what they are. I, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, pre- pretty soon here – you're, we're going to start seeing these. It's a little early. I think once spring training starts, you, you see all the odds. And then you'll start seeing some win totals. Um, and I haven't seen any yet, Josh. But what do you, I, I'm curious to see. Have you seen any win totals for the Orioles this year? And, and what do you think that number will be at? I imagine it will be around 500 is what I would, I would think, guess. I would think that I would, my guess is if I'm a smart um, bookie, I'm setting that number around 80, 81 games. That sounds right to me. Is what I was saying. I think. Yeah, 80, I was going to say eighty-two, eighty-three, but yeah, eighty-one. Because that sounds right. Because then you'll get suckers like us that'll bet the over. Oh my gosh! Get crush the over. Say right, but you're going to get lots of people to say, "Oh, the bullpen can't hold up as well as last year." You know, I can make all the excuses for the under, but I just yeah, don't I mean, it's it, going to happen. I think the big case for the under too is starting pitching. Dean Kramer was great last year. Health is that going to continue? Everyone was healthy for the most part last year. Is that going to continue? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Grayson Rodriguez on his innings limit. Um, what impact will that have? I will say that we're talking about gambling. I'll tell you right now, boys and girls. I've seen Gunnar Henderson as a favorite for rookie of the year. And it's a great bet because he's going to hit in the middle of the order. He's going to play third base every day. He's going to get a ton of opportunities to, to score runs. I think another person I've seen up there is Grayson Rodriguez. That's a terrible bet. Do not bet on Grayson Rodriguez. Because he's not going to pitch deep enough in the games to get the wins or have enough innings, um, so he's just not going to pitch enough. So I think Grayson Rodriguez would be a terrible bet for Rookie of the Year, just because he's going to lack the innings. Um, but Gunnar Henderson, I think, is a great bet. The uh, the Orioles are still plus thirty nine hundred to win the World Series. Okay. So bet a hundred bucks, you win thirty nine hundred bucks. Yeah. So still on the lower half, still something that people are not expecting. But that's probably like double of what it was last year. I'd be right. I'd be willing to throw a little bit a little bit into that. But yeah, it compared to last year. Uh let's see. Um regular season wins. Here we go. Oh, we got a number. Yeah, I just gotta find the Orioles. All right. And those numbers might fluctuate once people see them in spring training and you know, you announce injuries and all that. Right, but... Um my bookie does not offer the Orioles yet. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, it'll come out in spring training. Eight teams. So, AL Pennant on my bookie. Let's see where the Orioles are. The who Orioles who is better odds? The Orioles or the Red Sox? Who's the better odds? Orioles or the Red plus, Sox? The Red Sox are plus twenty four hundred. The Orioles are plus twenty seven hundred. So, the Josh, Orioles do you have, or the Red Sox have better odds? Do you think there's a better chance, better odds, of making it to the World Series, making it to the World Series? Or winning the AL East, what, what do you think are better odds? Uh, better odds would be making the playoffs, making it to the World Series, or making it to the World Series. Yeah, my question is, or making it to the World Series or winning the AL East, what would be the better oh, odds? You think making it to the World Series? You think so? Because there's multiple doors in. Yeah. Right. So the the. If you want to bet on the Orioles to make the playoffs, it's plus three hundred sixty. So not yeah. that's not a big payout. That's probably the smallest it's been. That's the best bet you're going to get for the Orioles in a while. Yeah, but it's still, still you're still making money. If you feel confident about the Orioles, money. you're getting over three three times your investment back. So yeah, that's that's 
All right, let's that. see. MVP, Adley Rushman. That's a good bet. Plus, plus 3,600. Yeah, see, I like that bet. Now, the favorite is Otani. Number two is Judge. And then Trout's in there. So you got you to gotta compete with those. Rookie. I assume those are the top three. Yeah, rookie of the year. The favorite is plus Gunner 300. Henderson. Gunner, Gunner Henderson. Yep. Grayson Rodriguez is in the mix at a 1050. Stay away. Stay away from that bet. But bet Gunner. Uh, Cy Young, let's see. There's no one. There's no Orioles on that list. Yeah. If Who who is the pitcher most likely to win the Cy Young? In your opinion. Uh, DeGrom. No, DeGrom no, no. I'm saying for the Orioles. If, if oh, an for Orioles, Orioles pitcher would win the Cy Young, would it be Grayson Felix Batista Rodriguez. as a closer? It would, no, it would have to be Grayson Rodriguez. Pitch is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't think he gets enough innings. Even if he did pitch unbelievable, I think they would shut him down. Um, so, so my bet would be if I had to bet on somebody. Cole? Cole? Maybe Corvin. Yeah, I mean, Dean Kramer was our best pitcher last year. But Come on, there's no, no Orioles got to be mentioned in the Cy Young discussion the entire season. Let's be honest. Not, not That's not to say our, our rotation is going to be bad. Just yeah, I just don't know Young. why you're, you're hating on the Orioles so much. Um what if Felix Batista has like a zero ERA? Could, could he he'd be considered like a, a Zach Britton type year? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess he could be in that discussion, kind of like he was with Rookie of the Year last year. Yeah, he could hang into that discussion. All right, uh, Michael over in the in Facebook is pointing out to us that in MGM Sportsbook, the Orioles' game number of game wins is seventy six, and Caesars has it at seventy seven. Okay, I bet my I bet my house on on 76 games yeah this is why you shouldn't gamble josh because um well yeah <laughs> three or four injuries if, if adley goes down for the season or something it's why you don't i, I won't bet your I house won't, but we'll, we'll get to our bold predictions thankfully we still have another month until our bold predictions but i would willing to bet a lot of money on to that onto that 76 games yeah i would too I think one of the things I always think about with betting, and I'm usually pretty good, Josh. I have I should go look, but I have a really good track record. It's a bad return investment because it takes so long to get your money back. But I have a very good track record track record of betting teams over and unders. And one of the things okay. things I look hard hard at when, when when I used to do this is what teams would most likely buy or sell the trade deadline. Right. And so, right, because the sellers are gonna be under tank. They're they're gonna try to tank. Yeah. At the, ha- yep. at, the, at the halfway point. Um, and, and the buyers are going to try to add talent. Josh, this, has, this team has screams buyer, buyers at the buyer. trade deadline. Right? Yeah. Doesn't it scream buyer. buyers at the trade deadline? Because you're going to have well, all these young only, players ready to come up at, at, the, at, at around the All-Star break. Um, right. We're going to find we're out what the needs have, are. We're going to know what our needs are. We're going to have John Means will be back. Value, we're going to have valuable pieces that we don't need. We're going to have valuable parts that we can trade to bring stuff that impacts you right away. We have not seen the Orioles in that position in a long, long time. Even in those winning years um, with Buck and all, we made moves, but we were never really in positions to be actual buyers. Josh, is there any scenario where the Orioles are sellers at the All-Star break? Any scenario? No, 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 no. Is there any scenario... Okay, I, and I agree with you, Josh. Because who 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 would be, who would they be selling? I guess you could maybe sell Santander, and that's the thing. To be a seller, you have to have be like you're blowing up the team. You're going you're going to try to 
ideally at the trade deadline, you want to trade Santander because you've got guys coming up that you know can fill that role. Okay. You we want disagree, to trade, but yeah, I disagree with that. But you want you want to trade some of this starting rotation. You want to trade one of these arms because you've got John Means coming back. You've got other guys that can bring it together. Or even better, you want See, to trade young guys that are ready yeah, so to I was come. Saying, I, want, I would rather trade, for. honestly, I'd rather trade Colton Kowser than Santander. That's kind of where I'm at with both those players. I think Santander right, because you want to keep, keep proven and, talent. And I want to win now. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to win for five years. Right, no, and that's the thing is we have none of – whatever the Orioles trade has to not make the team take a step back. Yeah, so – I agree. So even if for some reason disaster strikes and we're, you know, disaster 15 games out of the playoffs, we're not disaster, going to we're trading, No, disaster. We're trading Santander. We're trading Cole. We're trading um, Gibson. Kirby Gibson. We're trading, we're trading those guys, the older guys. But we're not in rebuild. Right. And Gunner's we still might add. Batista's someone, not getting traded. Adley's we we still might traded. add talent with um, with years of service, even if we're. But I think the Correct. more likely possibility, even if we're around five hundred, that we aggressively buy someone or trade for someone that might have a year or two or three years of control. I think that's yeah, a more likely situation. Yeah, I, totally. That seventy six and seventy seven number, I would be that's... surprised if by the end of spring training it's still there. I think that number is going to go up. I, I, that surprised me a little bit. So I would, I would, I would have thought eight eighty one or eighty two. If, know, if that was on me. my bookie right now, I would be depositing some money. Yeah, I'd hammer that. Um, seems like a good bet. All right, that's our so, gambling talk. Yeah. Do we do we still have a gambling sponsor we can throw in here, Josh? We do not at the time. We are <laughs> well. We are transitioning. We are. This is our first episode of leaving fan sided and kind of going back to being on our own and being independent. Okay. So we do not have a uh, sponsor for today's episode, except the request that you guys tell your friends to subscribe to Section 336, especially with yeah. 336 Dailies coming out, because that all helps us as we grow independent. See, I should have just said Birdland Sports was our advertiser. Yeah, you should but have. But I'll save that for the end. We're, we're all wearing the Birdland Sports gear right now. I know. I know. We're doing a live stream. I had to go up, and I was like, all right, what's the... What's the newest uh, Birdland Sports T-shirt I've got? So it was the Mountain for uh, yeah. Luis Batista. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I actually got mine. I actually got mine from BirdfieldSports.com. It's kind of a knockoff of yours. It sells all your same T-shirts, but <laughs> Bird, they're called Birdfield Sports. Yeah. No, no, they're called Breaking Tea. Oh, you Breaking Tea? That's the one. I was trying to think of the name that that ripped off your shirt, and uh, yeah. blanking on it. But of course, you yeah, remember that, it. Yeah. Right, you know, hey, um, they, they came up with that baby bird shirt just because they happened to like the wire, a show that's been off for twenty years, and thought of it. Yeah, the, it has nothing uh, to yeah. do with my shirts. your shirt being everywhere. Yeah, um, so. Josh, let's get into. Hey, do you do anything for Valentine's Day? Josh, <laughs> I'm staring. I'm just sitting at my table. No, and every seat you gotta see this. Every seat's like hearts, oh, because you have kids. plates. Yes, with oh. heart um, cups. Oh, you mean and just for like breakfast glasses. tomorrow? Huh? No, so um, we're all prepared for it. So uh, Emily Kelly goes all out for Valentine's Day. Kelly will do something. Uh, slight advantage that uh, the girls are not at our house this week, so I have until like the afternoon to drop something off for them. 
But uh, we'll get we'll grab them something. We bought I did buy them some candy over the weekend. Yeah, so I mean, I'll drop they, off some they, candy at their house tomorrow. It's Valentine's Day. It's yeah. It, it it's used to be. Well, it used to Hold be on. a romantical time for young people, and then you get married and have kids, and it's not romantical time for young people anymore. It's just it's about your kids. Romantical. Yeah, romantical. I don't think that's the we, word, but okay. We've been sending we uh, Josh. It's fantastical and romantical. We we've been uh, spending the week doing Valentine's Day cards too. Uh, with two kids who struggle to write their own names, so that's been an adventure as well. Right, because so. you're you got kids in school now, so you got to take the cards for every kid in the school and take the mailbox that they put all the cards into, and you better get a card for every single kid in that classroom. Yeah, so. absolutely. And there we got had a class roster. Absolutely. So we were one so candy short, wife... but we took one from the teacher to, to to make it work. All right. So if your wife's going all out for Valentine's Day. Yeah. I imagine you have a present for her? No, we don't do that. All out for the kiddos. Oh, okay. All out for the kids. Yeah. We don't show any affection or care for one another. We put it all into our children. Right. Oh, that oh, so that explains your uh your TikTok video about cleaning the house for your wife's approval. Absolutely. You can follow me on TikTok at Dr. Contest. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I want to get into some spring training storylines story because yeah, Josh, I mean, spring pitchers, training starts. Pitchers and catchers, two days. Two days. It's go days. time. I can't wait for all the picks. I've been, I've been shipping packages from Birdland Sports over to Sarasota, some gift packages for the players because they're all arriving, so they're all excited to to get some Birdland Sports T-shirts in. So I'm sure that's what they're all talking about. Can't wait. No, I mean no, like they're all me- they're messaging me asking for some shirts, uh, okay. so I'm sending them shirts. Nice. So, so they are. So they're all hitting. So this, you're looking for some picks into Sarasota this week. Yeah. yeah. So you want so to see some picks of your uh, Birdland sports shirts? On, yeah. If you see Twitter. some players wearing wearing some Birdland sports shirts, take a picture. Yeah. But uh, so they're all arriving this week in time because all the pitchers and catchers are showing up this week. And if you check on social media, there's already a lot of guys working out there and getting ready, which is exciting. Yeah, Josh. I want to talk about some storylines. I was trying to think about it okay. pre-show storylines. And and to for inspiration, I went to um, this website called BaltimoreBaseball.com. Friend of the show, Rich Dubroff. I actually went uh-huh. and looked at not, not his storylines for this year. I looked at his top storylines in 2022 spring training. You want to know what the top okay. storylines are? for? Can you think of any top storylines for 2022 spring training, for last year's spring training? Uh, who's going to pitch? Yeah. We don't know what our rotation is going to be. Yeah, it was – the headline is, who will be the other three starters? So um, there was some question about starting pitching. Uh, we had Jordan Lyles. We had John Means. That was kind of it. Who else can we count right. on? Uh, turns out we didn't have John Means for long. The other storylines – Will this be Trey Mantini's last season with the Orioles? Okay. Will, jo- will Jordan Lyles help the rotation? Who will back up Adley Rutschman? How many utility uh, players will the Orioles carry? Where it talks about the possibility of Mateo making the team as a utility player. That seems like a while ago. Now he's kind of solidified yeah. himself um, in that well, spot. And the last one yeah, well, will Ty- yeah. will Tyler Wells be the closer? It's the last storyline. Closer. All right. Yeah. Well, I feel like 
I feel like we are in such a different place. You and I were very positive going into our predictions last year. But as far as Birdland as a whole, we were still waiting to see what this team looks like and seeing if this team can click. And I think we really came around to believe in this team throughout last season. And really, that then changes all so. of this, these expectations where we come into 2022 and it's like, suddenly it's not, we got two guys who's going to start. It's, hey, we got seven guys that have a shot at this rotation. How do we narrow it down to five? Hey, do we consider a six-man rotation because we've got so many guys? And then with the Adley backup position, it's like they we're having the same discussion, but we're also – we went and signed a guy. And it's like McMahon is now – you're the guy. So it's – I feel like we could – I could easily take all those same stories from last year and bring them into this year with just a slightly different spin on it. So, I Josh, going into this – I think if I went to – 2021 it would be very similar discussions as well yeah yeah i think for the past several years since Elias got here it's who's pitching and there's a bunch of open spots especially on the fringes of the roster that's always a discussion so josh right. for you looking at this year um you're right mccann is catching we have a good idea who's starting um for you as you kind of start watching spring training are there any storylines that stick out to you as this is really what you want to pay attention to for the Orioles spring training season? There's there's two pitchers I'm really interested in. D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Tyler Wells, because he's now a friend of the show. We know how hard he's been working this offseason. We saw to be a starter. the excitement of last year to be a starter. The, and him build on that to want to come in as a starter this year. So yep. I really think if Tyler Wells can cut it as a starter, that would be huge for this team. But I don't know how he fits into that and if he can prove that. And then I feel the same exact way with D.L. Hall. We're like, he's one of our top prospects. And he's got a higher ceiling perhaps than Grayson Rodriguez even has. But we haven't seen it all come together. So can that come together where he – is there a situation where we're forced that I'm sorry, but we have to make room for D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells into this rotation? I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Can they force their way in? Yeah, I'm curious to see. I think those are two great things to look for. I wonder like, what will happen. Like, I'm, I've convinced myself that D.L. Hall will start in, in AAA. A, because they wanted to get more innings as a starter. B, because yeah. he's been somewhat inconsistent with the low, low location. And C, because we don't have the space for him. But what happens if D.L. Hall pitches lights out? Let's say he works hard in the offseason, he figures out the location right. thing, and he pitches light out in spring training. Can he find a way to make the start rotation? I'm, I'm not sure. Right. I don't. I think he's in the outside looking in right now. But he pushes lights out. Is there a way for for um, for DL Hall to get in there? I, I'm not sure. No, and that's how I feel because it's like when you take both these guys, DL Hall and um, Tyler Wells, I've accepted that both of them are probably Norfolk starters, but they both have really high potential. And the, and at the same time, we're taking a guy like Grayson Rodriguez. And we're, pretty, we're assuming he's in this rotation opening day. What if these two guys outpitch him in spring training? Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez was hurt a bunch last year. You could easily He never say, made hey, it. He never made an appearance. He hasn't Hall made it. These other two guys made have. an appearance with the Orioles last year. Yes. So I think that's a really interesting storyline for those two guys. And, and, yeah. and how it lays out. How are you going to lay out this rotation? 
Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some talk about if, and again, I think it's a huge if, if everyone remains healthy, that yes. you could do a piggyback situation where you start Grayson Rodriguez, you have him throw three or four innings, and then you bring in Ty- Tyler oh. Wells for three or four innings. That seems yes. like you're limiting Tyler Wells a little bit like that, but that that they could go that route as well. Right. Or you could go the six-man rotation. And I know there's lots of talk of, oh, well, that limits your bullpen. But let me lay it out this way. If we went a six-man rotation and suddenly your bullpen got a little thin, couldn't you then just take one of those pitchers that pitched five days ago and now bring him in to pitch three innings? And bring kind of combine piggybacking as necessary. Does that really screw up your rotation at that point? Or if you have six legit pitchers that are pitching through the sixth inning, do you need that deep bullpen? I don't think you do. If you can put a legit rotation out, you don't need a deep bullpen. We've needed a deep bullpen because our guys can't get through five innings. Yeah, well, and I don't think. Grace Rodriguez will still be able to get through five innings with his pitch count. And so, but you're right. If pitchers get into deep games, um, keep, especially at the beginning of the season, keeping your bullpen rest is kind of a moot point. But yeah, I, I mean, that's a good story. Those two pitchers are going to be something to watch. Um, and, and you could throw, if you want to throw Austin both in there, you could throw Austin both because I think True. he pitched well enough to, to be a starter uh, last year. So if he pitches really well, does, does he and make again, an argument that he should be in there? Again, we're not talking about Kramer and Bradish either. Who pitched yeah, well enough I, to be in there? I mean, Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson, it's not about how well they pitch. They're making enough money. <laughs> right. They're, they're money. making the amount of money where they're in the start rotation. Yeah. Right. Um, so those are so those two are locked. Then we're kind of assuming that um Dean Kramer is a lock. I'm kind of assuming that. And maybe I shouldn't assume that. Right. And Kyle well, Bradish, I think, is, is that's the, the less the least. That, Right, but Dean Kramer is the same assumption that Grayson Rodriguez is in. We're making assumptions that there's one spot up for grabs. Right. Yeah, and and I think like I think Dean Kramer and Grayson Rodriguez have the inside track, yes. but if they all struggle and Cobb Bradish struggles, but Tyler Wells pitches really well and Austin both pitches really well. Yeah, I think I think and, it's worth watching the whole rotation how that plays out. Right, but we got to always remind people. It's a lot more than what you see on Masson in these spring games. I haven't even seen if spring if Masson's broadcasting these spring training games. I feel like I complain about that every single offseason. Yes, I don't even like to think about it. It's annoying. It's so dumb. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. We don't need to rehash it. It's Um, stupid. No. You you know what else is stupid? (laughs) I know you want to get to another storyline. Other spring training storylines. Yeah, we've only gotten one so far. While we're talking about TV. Pitchers and catchers report to on in two days. The email I get end of last week from YouTube TV, we no longer carry the MLB network. We couldn't come mm-hmm. to an agreement, so you no longer have the MLB network. I have the MLB network on this time of year all day on my TV. I work with it next to me. I do the podcast with it next to me. I love MLB network in February. And oh, really? Like yeah. Mm-hmm. I never really watched the MLB network. You don't? They do great, like, spring no. check-ins and, and uh, great little previews on the teams and stuff. So no. they got a few shows I like. So that's irritating. But give me another storyline outside of pitching. Well, I mean, I think if you flip the – if you, you know, go to the position players, I think the infield situation 
is interesting, right? Because third base is Gunnar Henderson. That's a lock, I think, right? I don't yeah. know. I think it's a lock. Unless you bring him to shortstop. Unless, right. He's a lock unless you move him to shortstop. But right. then Mateo, so, you would think, is a lock for shortstop. I, I think. And, and then that means who's a lock for second base? Adam Frazier? Uri- or is it Ramon Urias? Urias. Yeah. And, and Frazier. How, I don't, again, yeah. it, it goes back to when we signed Frazier and we're like, we don't really know how he fits on this team. Second base, first base, not much Mount Castle at DH. Is Frazier at DH? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm and I'm curious to see how creative they get with the infield position because Ramon Urias, he's proven himself to be a great third baseman. Yes, um, he can also play second. We know Mateo can play kind of around the diamond. We know Gunnar Henderson. It didn't really go well when they tried him at second base, but he he can definitely play right, a really right. good shortstop and a good third base. So a lot right. of these infielders but can why? play multiple position. Right, but what's the advantage of swapping them around? What's the advantage of not having? Why wouldn't you just like for stability? Tell me if I have Gunner at, at third, Mateo at short, uh, Urias at second. Why would I move that? If I bring want to put Frazier in the game, well, I guess I could put Frazier at second, and then Urias at third and Gunner at short just to bench Mateo for a game, give him a break. Is the flexibility just for a Sunday game, just for a rest? Well, yeah, I don't know how much you're going to mess also with righty-lefty. I mean, Frazier's a lefty. Urias is a righty. I don't know how much you're going to okay. mess with that. Yeah, I'd have There's, to look at their splits. The The other aspect of it is, I mean, Mateo is a bit of a streaky hitter. And what if Mateo's batting 100 or something? He's not. He doesn't have a long track, rec- track record of being a great hitter. Even if he's great defensively, maybe if you want to upgrade offensively, your your best offensive lineup might be Urias at third, Gunner okay. at short, Frazier at second. That might, or even Vavra at second. Okay. I don't know. All right. That might be a better right, so. offensive lineup. So who's your DH? I the guy t- I would like to see t- play a lot of DH is Santander. That's that's I, if, right, if right. I was Fine. making my list, so Santander would play so DH. Then, all right, then who's in right field? Who's in right field? Kyle Stowers. Yeah. All right. Is Stowers in your lineup? You're now adding Stowers in your lineup in order to take Mateo out of your lineup. Is that an addition? Like I think you're so. offensively, yes. Offensively, offensively yes. yes. <laughs> I thought Stowers had like a 100 last year, batting average. Uh, Stowers wasn't given a good shot. Stowers didn't play enough. He's gotten more pop than Mateo. Also, I like to have Mateo on my bench as a secret weapon. Are you suddenly a Kyle Stowers apologist? I would like to see Kyle Stowers get more consistent playing time. Right, he batted two fifty three last year. Batted two two oh, fifty three. You're right. With I, three do see the I do see the two fifty three, negative WAR. But why in my head does I feel like he was like a one hundred batter? Be- because Brandon Hyde was hating on him, and he was feeding that hate to to you. All right. Well, I you, hope you got to confuse with Brett Phillips. Yeah. Maybe maybe I did get him and Brett Phillips confused. You're right. So, so. I mean, so I think. I hope there's a lot of flexibility so we don't have to have punt lineups because we can be flexible throughout the week. Um, I know Hyde likes to just do the punt lineup. I don't really understand yeah, the why. Sun, the Sunday have, off day. You can spread it out. Yeah, you can spread out the, these off days. But um, I'm really curious to see not just kind of who plays, but what position does he have people playing? 
who is the backup first baseman? Is it a Vavra? Um, is it? Yeah, do it, they use? Is it? Rutschman as the backup first baseman more. There's just there's some interesting questions. Or is it a non-roster guy? I saw um, I saw some talk. I saw some talk on uh, Twitter about Kerstead and will the Orioles work on trying to move Kerstead to as a first baseman because the, uh, he's left-handed and the outfield's so crowded. Huh. I don't know if you've seen anything about that. It's nothing that would impact the Orioles this season, but I yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, Kerstad is someone I'm really excited to see to see what he does. This, I'm really, I'm really cur- curious to see what he does this year. But yeah, that, that could be interesting going into next year. But so so that's that's I think for me the second interesting storyline is all these infield pieces. How does Hyde use them yeah. in spring training? Who plays well? Who makes the? I think we have a good idea who's going to make the open day roster, but we don't have a good idea yet of playing time. And how will McCann? Right. Get whatever Elias said, 100 games played or something, whatever Elias said. By first base. He's your backup first baseman that we didn't mention yeah. either. Yeah, I don't see that happening. But we'll see. Anything else, Josh, this spring training you're looking at, you're looking at, you're excited, you're kind of paying attention to? I guess who's the leader on this team? It was Mancini. It was We saw Odor as the emotional leader. Who steps up when you've got a team this young? Who steps up to lead this team? Does a guy like Adley, we, we see Adley really take hold of this, this uh, rotation and these pitchers, and these pitchers trust Adley and love Adley. Does Adley become the guy who leads this team? Can Gunner step up to be that, your quarterback of the infield and really lead these guys? I guess that's a storyline to watch is, is who's the leader here? We've been through Adam Jones. I mean, we watched Chris uh, Davis. We watched the transition to Trey Mancini. When he, we thought, oh well, he's too young to be the leader, but he definitely was. So who could it be this week? Is it Santander? Is it we talk? Um, Morales is gone. So is it one of these new pitchers who leads this team and brings them together? We talked a lot when we talked with Tyler Wells about the importance of that and how that came together. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about that is this is the first time that you have these your two best players, Gunner and Adley, and they're coming into the season already on the team. Right, this is the first for them. Yes. Last year they Gunner's, were invited to spring Gunner's, training. Gunner wasn't invited before. Oh, he wasn't invited to spring training. No, it's his first okay. spring. So his first spring, and Adley was invited, but Adley obviously did, he didn't make the squad out of out of spring training. And so now both these guys are, are going in. It's a different mindset, right? You're, they're not going totally. in trying to prove themselves to anybody. They're going in on the team already. So maybe they, they do take on a bit of a, a different role. Um, you're Adley's right. Adley's already, Adley's already taken this offseason as like, uh, I don't know, making all these TikToks of working out in the snow and stuff. He's really trying to show he's taking that next step. Chugging beer with so, fans in the Berlin right, Caravan. Right. Right. Is that now respected and he becomes this guy? Yeah. And, and the other aspect of that is in addition to those guys already being there, like you mentioned, we lost Chirnos and Odors and Lyles. But I do think Elias was very strategic in the players he brought in. He brought in veteran players who have yeah. been around for a while. And from everything I've heard and read and talked to with, with people about leaders, right? I think Adam Frazier. Um, at second place, kind of replacing Odor, a veteran guy. 
McCann, right? A lot of experience at the catching position, a veteran guy. Um, we mentioned, um, you know, Kyle Gibson and uh, Tyler Wells already, already talked about, you know, what a good leader Kyle Gibson is. And, um, you know, I've listened to some Kyle Gibson interviews and guy has his head on his shoulder. That, that guy's smart. Um, and then I don't know much about Cole Irvin, but everything I do know about, about Cole Irvin from listening to athletics podcasts, uh, <laughs> the, the athletic fans are, are big fans of Cole Irvin, super nice guy. And so I do think like Elias is strategic about who he brings in for clubhouse purposes. And even if Frazier didn't have the best batting average last year or offensive war, I think he does and McCann brings some of these intangible leadership qualities. So I do think some of it will come from there. But also it can be challenging to, to be the leader when you're even if you're a veteran, when you're on a brand new team. So there, there might be some of that from from Adley because he's been there already. And there's a lot of guys who's been around for a while. Right? Ced, Ced, Cedric Mullins has been here for a long time. Austin Hayes is getting up in the veteran status. Uh, he's been here for yeah. a while. So there are some guys uh, on offense have been around here for a while. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they will gel really nicely. But, but yeah, that's going to be um, something to watch for. Is there any chance Jordan Westberg can force his way onto this team? I don't think so. He got that non-invite. Or he got the non-roster invite. You think he, they're just going to have him wait in, in Norfolk, even though he had a good season in Norfolk last year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I think they want there, – there's no reason to force him up here, right? Like, there's no reason. Now, if someone gets hurt and he plays really well, then maybe. But if, for, for me, if everyone stays healthy and everyone plays, you know – decently well I, I don't see a scenario where he's here in um in april but he could be here in may or june i think that's very possible but i would be surprised if he makes the open day roster all right uh adam frazier joey ortiz taryn Vavra, all infielders on the 40 man do they all stick around by the end of spring training and still be on this 40 man yeah, I don't know what their options are. I mean, I think Joey Ortiz has options to be sent down. Vavra might be have options to be sent down as well. I don't know. I, I haven't sat down with a pen and pencil and worked out my twenty-six man roster. So I would have to I would have to think about it. I think part of the question too is who's playing, who's backing up Ryan Mountcastle at first base? Can Frazier and and or Vavra do that? Or is it gonna be a non a non-roster guy? Because we did, you know. We signed a bunch of, you know, Frenchy Cordero. Um, we, we also signed Ryan O'Hearn, right? Some guys who could play first base if we feel like Vavra um, right. can't play it. So I, I don't know what the Orioles are doing with that. So that's, again, something else I'm watching for with that infield. Yeah, but if you take four bench spots and one's McCann and you're down to three, and then you have um, – Stowers and McKenna, and we both really like those guys, and we think those guys are the type of guys that make good late in in substitutions. That gives you one slot for an infielder. Right. Yeah. So it's probably about Bob, Bob, I would guess, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I guess you're you're putting Bobro on your bench and making room for Frazier in every in on the field every day. Yeah, I think that's no, because then you got Urias. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's yeah. tricky. Yeah, I know. So and, and that's what I'm saying. Barbara and, and, yeah, so, so can you keep Barbara and Frazier both on this team? Yeah, I mean, Frazier's definitely both? not going... I mean, Frazier's not going anywhere. He's going to be on the team. And he's going to play a lot. I, there's no doubt in my mind. Vavra's expendable, but he's fighting Which spot. means if you keep Vavra, you got to let Stowers or McKenna down. Yeah. Because sure. you're, you're I mean, locking up a bench spot on Frazier. You're locking up a bench spot on McCann. you got two spots left. Yeah. So it gets tricky. And that's that's it's kind of exciting that it's not we know who the starters are here. We know who the starters are here. It's these bench spots that we're worried about. And that's where the yeah. holes are. I'm so not even it's sure a good if, problem to have. Yeah, I don't like the discussion because I'm not even sure if you're right if we have one guy left or two guys left. I'm not sure about your math. Uh I'm not hundred percent sure about your well, math. I know we, I know we normally done. carry four bench guys. And one of those catcher? If you go seven man in the rotation. Seven man bullpen, right? Then four no, man. I think you go eight yeah. men in the in the bullpen. Five starters, eight men in the rotation. That's thirteen pitchers. Okay. And that gives you thirteen right. position players. All right. So then, so you're saying eight you have five field, bench spots? Five bench. I don't know about that. I don't know about your math. See, I don't so know about your math. That's why I so think you're think, I'm thinking you're saying that you think, think we have room for Frazier, Varvra. And Stowers. I'd have to die. All right. This yeah. is some post-podcast math. Might have I know. That's why I'm, I'm annoyed you brought it up because I, I told you I didn't work out who's going to make the team. I didn't do the math yet. I got to get a piece of paper and figure it out. I haven't done that yet, but you're jumping right there with, with it. All right. So the other thing we'll, I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, we'll come at, back to that. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to it. There's, there's no reason to be having this conversation now anyway. But the point is that's something to look for, right? Because there is going to be competition, however, however many numbers it is. There is going to be competitions for those spots, right? Vavra is not guaranteed a spot. Ortiz is going to be playing for a spot. Some of these non-roster guys are going to be fighting to, to, to get on that roster. Um, there's very few, or outside the starters, there's a lot of spots that I think are open. I think there's an outlet spot open. I think McKenna, um, Sowers are the favorite, but there could be some competition there. One of those guys could not make it. Um, and, and same with infield. But something else I'm interested in, in watching, Josh, you mentioned the non-roster invites. You mentioned Jordan Westberg. Yeah. I mean, I'm really interested in watching these, these young players play. I, I'm, I'm, if I, when Kobe Mayo is up at bat, I'm be paying attention. When Jackson Holiday is at bat, I'm be paying attention. If we get to see it, Masson. Right, right. Yeah. But he, no, right. even if we like, don't get to see it, I'm going to be watching the the box score to see how Kobe Mayo does and how Jackson Holiday does. And I know the response, even if they play well, will be, well, they're going up against you know the C squad of some team. But that's right. fine. Who cares? I'm still I'm excited that's about these young players. Right. I'm excited about these young players. I'm excited to get a chance to watch them play. Um, even if it's against less competition, the fact that they're in major league camp and playing, I, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm I'm debating about whether or not to go that first weekend, opening day weekend. I've had a good time going in the past. And uh it's a little trickier this year with coaching Little League. But but if I get a chance to see a guy like Jackson Holiday, that makes me kind of excited and want to go. Yeah, I, I have not seen him play. He's the only guy on here, prospect-wise, that I've never seen play. So, yeah, I'd be excited to see him, yeah. too. Yeah. So. The, the other storyline, speaking of non-roster guys, is if any of these guys, you throw them out there, Nomo Zara, Daz Cameron, um, Ryan O'Hearn, Lewin Diaz, Frenchy Cordero. 
uh, some of these older players who got the non-roster invitee who might end up kind of at depth pieces in Norfolk, can any of them, most of them are lefties, can any of them play right. well enough to kind of make a case that they should make the open day roster? That's another storyline that should be interesting. Right, because those veteran guys, if they don't make that open day roster, they're probably going to re- request for another team to go take them and take a look at them, unless they really struggle this spring. Yeah, it could be a kind of a case-to-case basis on um, – but, but yeah, I mean, our, our Norfolk – I don't know how our Norfolk roster actually plays out, but if, if you're going to have some veterans there, it's, maybe you want those veterans as long as you're not blocking spots of some younger players. Got it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because in the past it's always been Norfolk. It's kind of been set aside, and our the guys who are ready to come up have been pitching in Bowie. But you're right. We need to – all of these guys who are banging on the doors are going to end up in Norfolk this year. Yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch. You're going to get to see some good action against the jumbo shrimp there, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I'll get some of that. You have a AAA team near you? We have the Gwinnett Stripers. I, I don't think they play, but they, I, I don't think they play Norfolk. Uh, I think they're in different divisions or conferences, whatever you call it, in the minors. Because uh, the Atlanta team is the AAA team, is the Gwinnett Stripers, and it's just outside Atlanta. So it's okay. the closest minor league stadium. Um, no one significant is playing for the Macon Bacon or Savannah Bananas. So, uh, the Winnet no Stripers are in the same division as it looks like. If I'm looking at this right, maybe I'm not. Why would yeah. why when I go to the Gwinnett Stripers website and click on standings, would it not be their division first? Josh, you seem to be struggling with looking things up. On the fly, you you couldn't find the correct Orioles win total um, for the season. Now I'm asking you to look up division for going at stripers. You, you can't find the fly. No, I got it here. They're on the they're on the west. They're in the west division. Okay, so I got it. They're in the west. So you're right. They're outside of Jacksonville and Norfolk. Yeah, way west in Atlanta. Yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So, so you're right. you won't get to see Norfolk come in. You have to come down here. Yeah. And the last storyline I'll mention, I think we covered all the big ones, start rotation, infield pieces, leadership, prospects, seeing them play. There are some open spots in the bullpen. Again, we don't need to do a numbers game right now because I'm just going to get frustrated. Uh, But, but there is, there's some locked spots with Batista and, and Givens again, assuming no one gets hurt. Um, But there's also going to be some, some open open spots right now. C and El Perez is our only lefty. I mean, if Keegan Aiken gets in there, that could be another lefty. Right. And I love the idea of Perez as a setup guy. Go yeah. That lefty righty. Love that setup. Yeah. And they both can throw the ball 100 miles per hour. Yeah, I'm a fan of that too. Correct. They all, we also have the rule, the rule five guy, Andrew Pallitti. We'll see if Andrew Pallitti is able to stick on this team. Yeah, again, that's the the storyline is those 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 positions that hold extra extra guys. It's it's the guys outside of your everyday players. How do these guys all fit in? So it's exciting. It's just exciting because we've got a future, and it's so hopeful. And it's like it's not long term out. It's these are guys who are going to make an impact this year to bring winning baseball in Baltimore. We had a winning season last year, and now we get to build on that really special 
Yeah, and I'm looking to see who – like this happens, I feel like, every year. Last year, the obvious case was Batista, a guy who came out of nowhere and was just great. Um, I, I mean, you could argue there's other guys, especially in the bullpen, where it seems like every year someone else steps up and has a really good year. Jorge Mateo, yeah, also a guy kind of who was almost kind of ridden off in his career, had a bounce-back year. We've seen that with Cedric Mullins. Like, I'm curious to see, like, who kind of steps up who we're not expecting to – uh, this season, because right. there seems to be always this one guy who outperforms uh, what we're expecting, and that's and that's why I asked you earlier about Westberg because I don't see guys that are on this rotation or on this roster that we don't have high expectations for already. So, how does a guy like Ken Gunner outperform what we expect out of him? No, we expect rookie out of the year. Can Adley outperform what we expect? No, we expect an MVP candidate. Can Grayson Rodriguez ex- outperform what we expect? No, we expect the moon. Like, so, right, and that's why we're at, we're at ninety wins, and Vegas is at seventy-seven wins. Exactly, exactly. Our expectations are so high that it's really tough to say, "Oh, this guy has a chance to outperform." Maybe, maybe if a guy like Cedric Mullins can bounce back after kind of a down year. Maybe to see Austin Hayes bounce back, to see Mountcastle bounce back. Some of these little slumps we had last year, maybe take that really next step. Otherwise, it's seeing a guy like D.L. Hall click, and suddenly he slides out. instead of, And it's going to be a guy who we knew had potential, maybe hits that potential a little earlier than we expect. Yeah, I also feel like last year in the minors happens too. Like Colton Cowser was not a guy – on the tip of everyone's, you know, tongue as far as prospects, just had a right. great year last year and shot up through the ranks. And now all of a sudden, every time I call couch as a prospect, um, it reminds me. I mean, this different sports, but Patrick Mahomes, one of the best followers on Twitter is old takes exposed or what's ever called freezing yeah. takes or something. Um, and talking about everyone bashing the draft pick of of Patrick Mahomes as this project who will never work out, drafted and I think it was in the third round. Um, right. And so you just never know how yeah. these prospects will turn out, who will be a late bloomer. It's, it's part of what, for me, makes baseball a lot of fun, seeing all these guys make predictions and and then be wrong all the time because sports yeah. are wild and players, you know, perform differently at different at different times. Yeah, and it's 162 games. So it's all, that's what makes baseball the best. Is you, yeah. It's a lot of games. So there's no luck involved. Yeah, and I also think, like, I, I listened to a Michael Elias interview, and, and he's like, they asked him about kind of all of these spots being blocked for the young players. And Michael Elias says, no, there's no spots that are blocked for young players. Like, he doesn't view it that way at, 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 at all because I think, A, he doesn't think Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg is, like, exactly ready. That's what I think. I don't think they're exactly ready yet. And, B, right. like – you just go through a lot of players. I, I, I was doing the research for 336 Daily. I think we went through like 18 different starting pitchers last year. 18. So yeah. this notion that we have a problem because we have six pitchers who can start when last year went through 18. Like what have we been talking about? I, I, I think just injuries happen. People get sore. People get shut down for a little bit. People have babies. Um, so I, there's all these kind of factors that impact kind of how much playing time you get. And you just need a lot of guys. You just run through a lot of guys. You need depth. Great teams have depth. And that's another thing about this team is we have really good depth. If 
you know, Mateo gets hurt, we will be okay. If, if Urias gets hurt, we will be okay. Um, even if a pitcher gets hurt, if Cobb Bradish gets hurt, I hope it doesn't happen. If he gets hurt to be in the season, right. we will be okay. Um, and, and I'm not sure if we could have said that a couple years ago. I mean, we, we weren't okay a couple years ago. <laughs> even everyone was healthy, so I was going to say if someone got hurt, we could be okay. But it feels yeah. like we're in a much better – there's no position on this roster where I don't look at – well, maybe catcher. Catcher is the only position where I'm like, if, if we lose the starting better, guy right. at that position, we're screwed. It's just catcher. Right. Um, no, and that's because we look at last year and, like, if we had him for the first two months of the season, we might have made the playoffs. Yeah, and if he you look that at big of an impact. If we don't have him, you know, we have, you know, lifetime 200-hitter Brian McCann right. back there. Yeah, if, he, if if Adley did not come up last season, would we be as hopeful going into this season? I don't think so. I think we'd still be hopeful, but not we're winning the World Series. Hey, that prediction we made five, six years ago when we said 2023 World Series champs, now we have a legit shot at it. I don't think we would have been quite as hopeful if we didn't see Adley and Gunner last year. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, Adley and Gunner are, are certainly leading the charge in, in this optimism. And, and hopefully we can add Grayson and D.L. Hall to that charge of optimism, you know, by the end of this year as well. So yeah. time will tell. All right. All right, ready to get out of here? Well, oh, you got a update? You got a coaching update? I had a I had another practice this week. More more players leaving? Uh, yeah. You're running out of call. guys, Josh. I got I got a call from the commissioner on Saturday morning. Oh my commission. And I was, he goes, "Is there a problem with your team?" And I said, "Not that I know." He said, "I got another kid that wants off your team." Oh my. And I said, and I said, really? I said, they're asking to move to another team? No, they don't want to play baseball anymore. <gasps> they're taking the kid out of the league. So I said, I said, what? I said, the whole reason I'm doing this is to make baseball fun so the kids have fun and don't get burned out at nine years old because of poor coaches and poor parents. You, but you burned him out with the fun. No, this was, this was a kid that had trouble behaving and made my practices really tough because he did not focus and pay attention. Uh, mm. So on this, in fact, this practice. Um, so you popped some champagne this, this when, last, he, when he decided this last to leave practice, the team. This last practice, things got a little out of control. I've I've been screaming at kids through at these practices, telling them what to do, but yeah. this was the first time that practice felt like I was hurting a bunch of cats. Yeah, where I, I didn't. Both of my assistant coaches did not show up for practice, mm. so I had me and all the kids. This one kid was going crazy and taking the balls, and instead of playing catch with other kids, he was just chucking the ball into the woods, mm-hmm. like on purpose, and then making a joke. So then everyone would have to stop throwing to go find the ball, uh, to the point that his mom took him <laughs> away from practice halfway through, and just took him home. Can't play with them. Can't can't win with them. No, one kid was upset and wanted to quit baseball because another kid was calling him names, and it wasn't even like bad names it was just like he was making nicknames for the entire team and trying to like build some team camaraderie so it was a rough practice that then got a call from the commissioner making sure everything's good on my team because another kid went down i am down to nine kids this is the kid chucking balls in the woods yeah i don't know if you paid attention but i'm down to nine kids and there's nine players on the baseball field at a time 
so they're yeah, trying yeah. to get they're trying to go to like the wait list and bring on two more kids for me but they've never had to add kids this late i don't think it's me i really think it's bad circumstances and i really think it's I did the random draft without knowing who anyone is, and other people drafted kids that were established, and I drafted anyone who had a cool name yeah. that I could pronounce. Right. Um, but I knew as soon as I got the call from the commissioner, I said, oh, I wanted to text you, but I said, no, I got to save this for the podcast because it's definitely uh, goes back to what I said at the beginning, that the frustration part of coaching Little League is the parents not the kids. Yeah. I, I mean, you're making me feel grateful that I decided not to coach this year. Um, I, I coach playing this year. He is, he starts, he starts next month. He hasn't started yet. Okay. They start in March. Um, but it's, but we had tryouts, but he didn't try out. They, they don't do tryouts for T-ball. So okay. I think he has to be seven to do tryouts. Um, right. but, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I didn't do that. I mean, I, I coached, I coached high school ball, ba- basketball, but that's a little bit different right. because they're just a Way different, different. more mature age. You have tryouts. You can talk. Different. You can talk to them like adults. You can you can choke them if you need to. Yeah, you can throw you can throw a chair at them. Um, exactly, exactly. You can. Right, right. You can't throw get away with that. With, with nine year olds, here's the, you know here's the other difference between coaching nine year olds and coaching the high school kids. Yeah, is the parents watch these practices. The yeah, parents yeah. stay the whole time and they sit on the bench and watch me. Yeah. So I feel like if I don't have those kids all wrangled in and all focused, that all the parents are judging me. Yep. Because yep. they are. Yeah. Th- because they, I know they, I've been that parent. Are. I've judged the coach. Yeah, they are. And just like, yeah, I mean, before you become a parent, you judge all of the parents. And then you become a parent. You're like, oh. And right. then other people judge you. And that's just this great circle of judgment life that everyone lives in. And I mean, but the parents are, I mean, from my perspective, and, and I would show up and watch Silas practice too, and, and I will, but I'm more just grateful that I don't have to watch him for an hour and a half, that someone else is watching my kid for an hour and a half. I really don't care what he does. Right. I'm just I grateful I'm not responsible for him for an hour and a half. So yeah, the problem is I'm that babysitter for that hour and a half. Yeah, that's you. And that, when I, I didn't, that's what we're paying have, for. Right. And when I didn't have help, this past week and the first 30 minutes is like we don't have a ball field. The first 30 minutes of every weekday practice, we are in a cage for 30 minutes. So I'm in the cage pitching bat in practice. So that means I'm focused on one kid at a time, and the other eight kids are running around like monkeys. Josh, you have nine players. <laughs> what would you do if you had a full team of like 14 or 15 guys? I know. Is, is it, I know. Well, at least the good news is once you get down to like two players, you'll be able to control them bat, 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 bat better. Now you have a, a problem on game day. But at least pra- yeah. practice will probably go better when you only have two players. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, so hopefully I'll get two more. Big win, big win for me, though, this past week at practice. Really big win. Kids out of control, but I knew every kid's name. And oh, you nice. know how hard that is for me. Yeah, I knew every kid's name. Props to you, Josh. So props I got that down. So now they're going to throw some new kids at me. So uh, yeah. that goes all out the door. With, and they're picking the name, the name so that you might not be able to pronounce them. Josh, oh, the, I forgot the, about that one. The other thing I feel like with coaching, it's all just a matter, too, of like you cannot give kids. This is true of teaching, too, by the way. It's true of teaching, too. You can't give them a moment of just their own free time to just get no. into something. Like they always have – you always have to make sure every single kid 
as something that they're doing with their body that they should be doing because if they're left just standing there, they will find some kind of nonsense trouble to get into. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I I, I was hitting uh, – here's what I did. I took the kids and I split them half at shortstop, half at second base, and I'm at the pitcher's mound and I'm hitting grounders. All right? So I hit the third base. I hit the shortstop. Then I, then I hit to uh, – and they throw it back. I hit it to second base. They throw it back, hit it to shortstop, back and forth, rotate through a line. That way I'm like, hey, I'm getting two kids going. You're not. You're in small groups. The kids are moving. The kids on the second base were so out of focus and, like, not paying attention that I started saying, well, let me see if I can speed this up a little bit. So I hit the second base, and then I hit the shortstop, thinking, all right, I'll turn, and the second baseman will then throw the ball to me. I turn, and the ball hits me in the chest. Like, it was thrown before I was even looking at the kid because these kids are nine years old, and they don't yeah. understand. So yeah. I had that happen. So then finally, when they were out of control, at one point I just said, all right, everyone line up at home plate, and here's how I, here's how I ran them all in. I went and grabbed nine baseballs, and I said, get in the line at home plate, and I said, throw this ball as far as you can. We're going to have a contest. Who can throw the furthest? And the kids got all into that. So we finished the last 20 minutes of practice by throwing as far as we can and then throwing at a target to see who could be mm. the closest to the target. Yeah, I like so that. Because one of my concerns, this is getting deep into coach talk, but one of my concerns, Josh, is with my son, we're, we're, we're working on throwing hard. And now I've gotten yes. to the point where he throws pretty hard. And it took a while to get to this point. But my concern is he can't throw hard when he's thrown to another six-year-old. No. He's going to have to do the lame short arm thing and he's going yes. to develop bad habits of short arming it so he can soft toss it so someone else can catch it. When I went, yeah, I've been working so hard to get him to pull his arm back, we're back and fire to be the next D- yeah. DL Hall is what I'm trying to do with him. No, it's the same thing. It's the bad habit I'm, I'm working on with Owen where for hitting, he's doing these soft, these little slow swings yes. because he's just he's, – he's been grained. Oh, just contact. Just make contact off the team. Make contact. I'm like, no, you're bigger than all these kids. I want you to yeah, crush you hit that the ball. ball as hard as you freaking can. Hit the yeah. ball as hard as you can. You throw then, the ball um, as hard as you freaking can every time. Right, exactly. Right. Now, throwing hard, I am not telling the kids to throw hard yet because I'm noticing with nine-year-olds, throwing hard and throwing on target is not the same thing. And I'm sure, like, you even catching hard. the ball. Like, that's my son's problem. He can't catch it, so. <laughs> yeah. I gave a whole conversation with the kids and then followed up with the parents about how to break in your glove because they all show up with the gloves that are wide open. So, like, mm-hmm. if you can break in the glove so at least it tries to close, then the ball will yeah. stick. Yeah. But because they're wide open, the ball is just bouncing out. Yeah. I got some advice so, from a baseball player on because yeah. I was talking about Sass being unable to catch it. And he recommended using the, you know, the, the Velcro things or the tennis ball with the Velcro. So, at least, oh, you know, idea. the ball sticks to the Velcro. You know what I'm talking that's about? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So, at idea. least it works so on moving the hand, the hand to the, the right ball spot. and that kind of the hand-eye coordination. That's a good idea. I was using the – I have one, this, like, flat disc that's like that that yeah. I use for grounders where they just have to – so that you can't close your glove. You just have to use two hands. Right. But I like that idea of using the felt ball. That's a good idea. Yeah. I wonder if I can get some that's of those, uh, like, five below Getting or something. Getting the felt ball the off the thing, but in the test ball off the <laughs> – Yeah, that's aisle, that. there's always that problem. Thing. But, uh, but, yeah, that's the Little League update. We got our schedules. Game start, I think, on the 25th. So I'm about two weeks away from my first game. All right. Hey, listen, if any parents are listening uh, on, on Josh's team, do me a favor. Take a video of one of Josh's practices and, and, and yeah. DM that to me on Twitter. I would, I would pay good money to see a video of Josh's practice. As far as I know, the parents have not found this yet. 
I'm kind of surprised it's still hanging out there. Maybe they're having their own little parent talk on the bench while I'm coaching about this, and they're keeping it on the DL. But as yeah. far as I know, no one has found this yet. All right. And, and no viral videos have showed up online yet, so you got that going for you too. No. No. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Um, you can make this video viral by sharing it on Facebook and Twitter. And TikTok? That transition. And TikTok. You yeah. can fo- follow us on all those that. platforms. At yeah, Section 336. It's baseball season again. It's baseball season again. We need you guys to start selling, telling friends, giving reviews on iTunes, and let everyone know how this is your favorite Orioles podcast. A lot of people, I saw there was a, there was a question on Twitter about, hey, what's some Orioles podcasts? Uh, yeah, by boy Jimmy. Season. Yeah. Was that Jimmy that tweeted that? And I see a lot of people mentioning 336. So thank you for that. Keep spreading the word. That helps us immensely. Absolutely. And check out Birdland Sports. Yeah, check out Birdland Sports. A ton of new shirts. You can follow us on birdlandsports.com or Twitter and Instagram as well. And to check out all the new designs. I'm Every day I make it. It's not every day. But it seems like every day I'm making a new shirt. That's my favorite shirt. I made a Nick Vespi shirt today. That's how crazy I am going with the roster. Is that your new favorite one now? Uh, yeah, I really like the Nick Vespi shirt that I, that I launched today. And another, and Nick Vespi is getting his own caricature shirt as well. That'll be coming out soon. So, right. um, yeah, but I know Felix Batista, he requested one of these shirts. So he is getting this shirt. Gunnar Henderson requested the, the one you're wearing. Top Gun you're logo, gonna take it off and mail it to him. Yeah, he asked for this one. Like this would fit this him. exact one. You... The size of me. Damn. No, Gunnar Henderson requested his Top Gun shirt, so he's getting one of those. Uh, there's a stack of shirts going to Tyler Wells, and uh, Cole Irvin needs some O's gear, so he's getting some shirts as well. So uh, where very, the only shirts cool made by? Well, I don't know about the only shirt, but where the shirts for fans, by fans, and worn by the players. Yeah, very cool. All right, you can also follow me on TikTok at Dr. Sroka's Corner and on Twitter at Section336. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Sroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's.